Hey, welcome into Downtown the Podcast. It is episode number 92. Rich Kimball here, along with Carrie Haskell from the Zone Radio Studios in Bangor, Maine. It's the home of our daily downtown program, which airs Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Zone Radio stations of Maine, streaming audio at our website, downtownwithrichkimball.com. We are brought to you here on the podcast every single week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. And coming up today, right now on this very program, two talented actors. We love talking to actors on the program. Uh, two good ones today who have uh, put, a, put up some pretty impressive resumes. Uh, one part of an iconic children's television program that really began uh, in the comedy scene, the improv scene in Los Angeles. And she helped develop the character that became known as Miss Yvonne on Pee Wee's Playhouse. We're talking about Lynn Stewart, who joins us in the second half of the program. But Lynn's about much more than that. She's been a recurring character for several years on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. She was in many episodes of MASH, appeared in the film American Graffiti, along with the woman who would become her best friend, friend of our show, Cindy Williams. We'll hear all about that from Lynn Stewart in the second half of the podcast this week. In the first uh, first half of the podcast, another talented actor and writer that you perhaps know best from his turns on television shows like Ray Donovan, uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, was Jimmy, the lead singer of the up-and-coming band The Wonders, or was it The O'Neaters? And Tom Hanks' That Thing You Do. That's what really launched him uh, to fame. And he's a busy guy doing a lot of things. He's written a number of screenplays with friend of our show, Richard Chismar. And he's got quite a backstory as well. Let's listen to our conversation with actor and writer, Jonathan Sheck. Jonathan, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, pleasure to be here. We have a lot in common, much like you. Uh, uh, you turned, or much like me, you turned down an offer from the Chippendales people. <laughs> you did the same thing? Yeah, I did. I had to. <laughs> well, yeah, that was, my God, that was 1989 or 90. I didn't want to do that, um, but I could dance. So they came after me and wanted me to dance. and did a couple auditions with an incredible choreographer. And I was, I literally, uh, a guy named uh, Peter Savick came over to me at a restaurant and said, you know, you should come see this agency. And I did, and that agency gave me another opportunity, and I took it. Well, we want to talk about some of the work in your background, uh, but also want to talk about some things that are that are happening and coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about this new movie that you're in with what looks like a, a tremendous cast, uh, The Night Clerk? I know. It's M. De Armos. Um, God, what was that movie she was just in? She got nominated for, Academy, um, for a Golden Globe for it. I'm blanking on it. But she, um, Ty Sheridan, who was in Ready to Star, the Ready Player One Spielberg's movie. Helen Hunt. Um, it's a thriller. Uh, it's it's going to be one really good movie. I think it comes out the latter part of February. So I look forward to that. And we mentioned your writing. John, Gle- John Gleziamo. I can never say his name. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's great. We mentioned your writing. You've uh, you've written a book. You've written a lot of screenplays, uh, many of them, with our friend Richard Chismar. How did you guys get together? Yeah, we grew up in the same uh, town. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. from one another. Yeah. Yeah, we're childhood friends. I came back from making uh, my first horror film, The Forsaken, for Screen Gems, and um, I saw him on the street, and 
was, he, I, no, I was running, and he saw me on the street, and he pulled over, and he told me what he what he did was cemetery dance. And I said we should work together. And next thing you know, we're we're writing episodes for Masters of Horror. Um, we made a movie called Poker Club. We wrote a couple things for Screen Gems. We wrote a bunch of Stephen King stuff. We wrote. Um, we made a short film called Heroes, and that was presented to King from Chismar's connection to him. And then we got uh, a book called From a Buick Gate, and uh, we tried to get that thing made forever. Didn't get it made. And then from that, Akiva Goldsman read that screenplay, and he brought us on to, to do the sequel to The Talisman, uh, Black House. You know, Stephen yeah. owns our station. He does? Yeah. Well, he's awesome, man. It's funny, you you mentioned the Forsaken, and it's so funny. You know somebody's had a a good career when you you put the word out that they're going to be on the show, and you hear a half a dozen different responses from people about work you've done, and somebody reached out on our Facebook page and said, oh, tell them I loved him in the Forsaken. Somebody else mentioned Poison Ivy 2 earlier today. Somebody was talking with me about, uh, well, Carrie here, our our producer and co-host, was talking about all the people who love your work as Jonah Hex in the DC's Legends of Tomorrow and in Batwoman. Oh, man, you know, Jimmy Palmiotti is trying to get that thing made with me. Um, We want to make that into a series. Jonah Hex needs to be a series. I mean, it's it's straight up Clint Eastwood and uh, Josie Wells and, it just would be great. Western, just, you know, tough guy Western, be great, be awesome. Just do a spinoff. <laughs> it, it would be, and uh, man, Jimmy, Jimmy is the writer to work with on something like that. His uh, his series uh, was just an amazing series for that character. I know, I love it. Just straight from the comic book, right on screen, just like uh, old King stuff, man. I would love that. That would be so much fun. Uh, you also, about people loved your work in Prom Night. How much fun is it to play the just straight-out bad guy villain? You know, it's a lot easier than playing a good guy. Uh, <laughs> that way I get to act. I actually get to do something. I'm more of a nice guy than I am a mean guy. So. We're talking with Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Sheck here on Downtown. Uh, you got your start in film uh, with the movie Sparrow, and, and you've talked about this publicly uh, while that was certainly an opportunity to work with a talented director. You have spoken openly about uh, what you had to go through in dealing with director Franco Zeffirelli, and you've also been quite an outspoken uh, supporter of people in the Me Too movement as a survivor yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, Franco is notorious for doing certain things, not so much as bad as Harvey Weinstein, but pretty much in the same vein. And, uh, I spoke out because I know all those girls. I did a movie with Rose McGowan in 93, Alyssa Milano in 93, Poison Ivy 2. I did Doom Generation with Rose. And when I heard those girls speak out, I realized there's a part of my story that was missing. It was like this thing that I couldn't really understand had happened to me. But when they defined it the way that they did with the power dynamics, it was very clear exactly what happened to me. And by speaking out and talking about it and advocating for other survivors, I have a voice inside of myself that I've never had before. And that voice has done amazing things in this world so far in the last few years since I spoke out. So I appreciate that. It's a hard thing to talk about, but we we have to. We have to be able to speak about those things um, because it, it, sets, it sets you free. You know, the truth sets you free. And uh, finally, for all the survivors out there, you got to realize that it's not your fault. 
Absolutely. Hard thing to come to. And I know, and you, you have spoken about it on social media, how proud you are to be a dad. And, you know, what a great lesson and message that will be uh, for your son later on to realize that you, you can speak out and it's difficult, but, but we have allies out there in the world and it's so important for people to speak when they have that opportunity. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. My, probably the biggest reason why is I have a, a little boy and I can't imagine this, not speaking out, having that knowledge inside of truly getting to the root of it and understanding who I am. I could better be, be a better father and, I only I have a little six year old, but I'm about to have another little baby, so I'm excited for. Congratulations! I got I got a six year old at home. Man, that's a fun age. Yeah, it's so much fun, isn't it? Oh my god, he just he's the next thing out of his mouth is just a wonder to me. So we we uh we're we're going to make a little short uh, movie here at Nashville, um, and I think my son's going to be the star in it. So. See if he could pull it off. That's, that's tremendous. <laughs> um, yeah. But we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, talk about that thing you do, which I it was one of my favorite movies of all time, a directorial debut from Tom Hanks. But man, what a talented group of young actors were assembled on that. What was the experience like making that film? Oh, my God. You know, what Tyler said perfectly. She said, I don't even know if we made a movie. Well, all we did was just laugh from the beginning to the end. It was a great experience between Steve Zahn and Tom Hanks when the two of them go off. It's just it was nothing but pure joy. And I got to tell you, man, from looking back on my life with this E2 experience, I realized that, that you know, that, that laughter, that laughter that I, I was entertained with afterwards really kind of saved my life. You know, it's hard for survivors. And, uh, and you know, I didn't know what happened. I, mean, I really I couldn't even define it. couldn't understand it. Um, but Tom Hanks, Ellen DeGeneres, Steve Zahn, all those people, all they did was make me laugh. They brought such an incredible light to my life that uh, got me out of those dark days. And uh, still to this day, all of them, they make everyone's uh, life a little lighter. And, and as an actor, how much do you appreciate being in a setting with a director and with a cast that's so supportive that, that is like family to you for the time you're involved in that shoot? Yeah, you don't get that too often. I mean, we really... We were camped out for a long time, learned how to play those instruments. Um, I mean, one big reason why I'm out here in Nashville, Tennessee, is because Steve Zahn's out there in Kentucky. So he, he told me, he said, you don't need to be in Los Angeles anymore. You can live out there and have a real life, um, you know, take care of your family. And, and not to worry. You don't need to be in that treadmill out there. Um, so those kind of relationships, they last a long time. You know, first, first day coming to Nashville, Tennessee, Rita Wilson was singing up the street and we went up there and Tom was there and we all got to hang out. So that family that we created back then still to this day, they're, they're my, they're my peeps. Yeah, and you guys, uh, you even had a little uh, wonders reunion a couple of years ago where you guys uh, sang, sang some of the songs. <laughs> God, what an experience. So Tom Edwards got this friend, friend had a, a comedy show and uh, it was on Sunset Boulevard and he said, hey, you know, we, you want to come out? We've we'll, we'll, we'll got practice. we practiced about three or four times. Ethan can play the bass really well. Ethan Embry can play the bass. He's out there in Atlanta now. He can play the bass really well. Tom Ever Scott had to practice his drums because he's not a drummer. I think his uh, Twitter account is a fake drummer. <laughs> and uh, got me got me going on there. And I was like, listen, if we're, we're going to sing this, i got to get down and hold bar down. 
But um, when we got there, we came out on stage. They announced us, and that crowd went bonkers. You would have thought we were the Beatles. <laughs> they were like clawing at us on the stage. It was great. <laughs> it was an amazing experience. Well, I've got a friend who was, uh, he was in a rock band back in the 60s that, that had a, a brief little flash with regional success, and, and he has always said, I, I don't know how Tom Hanks and, and the people involved did it, but that movie captured what it was like for guys like him who were in bands back in the 60s with more honesty and more truth than anybody's able to to put together either before or since. It's, it's Hanks, his, his love and his purity with uh, music and the industry and what it's all about. I think that's what we really see. We see those principles and values that he, he holds dear and he lives. So that movie is that. And, um, it, you know, we would, when we were touring, um, he would watch the Beatles. He was watching the Beatles all the time. He really loved the, you know, the whole journey of the, the Beatles. I think they're making a movie about the uh, manager of the Beatles. Right. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, and and that's kind of what he based his character in that thing you do was based on uh, Brian Epstein. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, Jonathan, yeah, is, are they doing something? Is Plato doing something on Brian Epstein? Yeah, I think I, they are. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. I've read a couple of things about that. Jonathan, we have uh, we've really enjoyed your work for so many years. You're also a terrific follow on Twitter. I enjoy your your Wednesday motivation. It's great to see uh, the pictures of you and your son, and it's been a real delight for us to talk with you. We look for more wonderful work for you in the future, hopefully some more collaborations uh, with Rich Chismar, and uh, we hope you'll come back and visit with us again sometime. Hey, tell your owner to hire me. <laughs> we'll put the word out. You got it, John. Hey, man, thank you so much. That means a great deal to me. That's Jonathan Sheck here on Downtown, the podcast. Rich Kimball, Carrie Haskell with you. Uh, we'll pause for a word from the good people at Cross Insurance. And when we come back, Missy Vaughn herself, actress Lynn Stewart, up next. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With a network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Back on Downtown, the podcast, our next guest has starred as Charlie's mom for several seasons. On It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, she played a bunch of different nurses and Radar O'Reilly's girlfriend on MASH. She appeared in the film American Graffiti, but is probably best known for her long-running role as Missy Vaughn in Pee-wee's Playhouse, along with Paul Rubens, also known as Pee-wee Herman. We had a wonderful time recently talking with actress Lynn Stewart. You have had a, such a remarkable career and have done so many things. How do you ever, how do you get over yourself? How is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin, but let's start with what, what is maybe my second or third, maybe favorite movie of all time, American Graffiti, when you played the role of Bobby. How did that come about? Oh, that was, 
that was so much fun. It was one of the first things that I ever did. And um, I went on an interview with George Lucas, and uh, he didn't. He was kind of um, looking out the window. He didn't seem like really interested in me. And and uh, uh, and then I was so surprised that I got, uh, uh, you know, that I got the part because he was just kind of looking out the window and answering telephone calls and everything. And and Fred Roos was the casting director for American Graffiti, and he came in with me at, to meet George. And and I, I just went kind of like disgusted and, and and with George and and he said, "What have you done?" George says, "What have you done?" And I said, "Nothing." <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then, and then Fred was like, "No, you better." And, but it, it turned out great because uh, I got the part. And then for the smaller parts, I found out that they they. The, my manager, Pat McQueenie, said, um, you know, I've got, you know, the good news is you've got the part. The bad news is that for the smaller parts, they're going to cast uh, actresses in San Francisco. And then I said, well, I'm moving to San Francisco then. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I just lucked out. A girlfriend, Tina Conway, knew someone who had an apartment in Berkeley and and I got to stay there for a month and a half because they were behind schedule. So I just lived in Berkeley, and I had a car, and I got to do it. And it was just such a thrill. And Richard Dreyfus, who I grew up with, but he was at the time he was known as Ricky Dreyfus. Uh, the fact that I got to work with him was like amazing because he was terrible in grammar school and high school. I mean, he, you know, when he yells out of the car, she trembles at the sight of your rippling biceps. He used to say things like that. Like he used to call me a flat-chested beefy on the playground and sexless steward. <laughs> but even though he tortured me, I still loved him, and I would ask for more. I mean, I would, like, hang around him because he was so funny and so great. And and he was one of those people that you knew was going to be a star from the very beginning. I mean, there was a, in grammar school, there was a guy named Mike Burns who was already starting to work. And, and Ricky and I were walking home, and, and, and Ricky said, I can do that. You know, and I went, yes, I know you can. I know you can. And in my head, it was one of those moments, like, always remember this moment and this intensity and, uh, because he will be doing it, and, and he did. And we were in an a acting class together, an improv class. that We both went to Beverly Hills High School and had a teacher at Roxbury Park named Rose Jane Rondell, and that's where we learned to improvise. And we were like 15, 16 years old. And I can understand why actors are afraid of improv. A lot of actors don't like to do improv, but I'm not. Because of Rose Jane. I mean, I was raised doing improv. It's part of me. And so I never was afraid of it. I'm afraid of singing because I'm not the singer, <laughs> but not improv. Uh, and and if there wasn't a class, Ricky would, like, uh, get upset because he needed that relief. 
You know, I was like, oh, that's okay. I'll just get an ice cream. There's no class today. I'll be fine. I'll be with my girlfriends. I'll be fine. But he, he really took it, internalized it, because it was so important for him to work out and have that release. And so it was a great experience for me. And I ran around telling everybody. Oh, Cindy Williams is my best friend. And so it, it was great to, you know, hang with her. And Candy is a lifelong friend now. And 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 so it was just, it was a great, great experience for me to to be with to be with friends and I went around telling everybody this is a classic this is going to this is going to live forever even though I was just a day player <laughs> I went around telling everybody this is going to be a giant hit and and it was and the same thing I had a part on Bridesmaid and I went around telling everybody this is going to be a giant hit and they were like oh, sure I said no 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 I had the same premonition about American Graffiti this is going to change things for women in com- comedy. This is going to be a giant hit. And and I was so happy to be proven right that Bridesmaid did change things. And it showed that women can be funny, really funny. And, and men and women can go see a movie and laugh together with a, a predominantly female cast. You are, were also in several episodes of MASH. Uh, Mike Farrell is a good friend of ours uh, on the show, and Loretta Switt's been on. Jeff Maxwell was on with us last week. Uh, we, oh. h- how many different nurses did you play on that show? I think I played eight <laughs> different nurses. The big one was when I got to play Radar's girlfriend. Yeah, That was amazing, <laughs> and, and that was also one of the first uh, times I ever... Uh, it was when my first, well, I was like co-starring in that. That was a big deal for me because I was a big MASH fan. And they had me in for a really small part. And I was like, I don't even know. I mean, like I hadn't done anything. And I was already like, oh, I don't know. They want to do this. I don't even have any lines. I'm just in a line with radar. And as it turns out, they were seeing us together, seeing our height seeing how we interacted in the line together. And I'm so glad that I did that little part because then I got to play his girlfriend and I got to do like eight episodes playing different uh, nurses. And, and, but that, that, I don't know whether I want to do this part was very fleeting, like a (laughs) second, (laughs) But, but it was a great, great experience for me and people, you know, People come up to me and say, oh, my God, I saw you on a rerun of Bash. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just so much fun. We're talking with Lynn Marie Stewart here on Downtown. And then you also, uh, I assume with the Cindy Williams connection, ended up cheating on Squiggy on Laverne and Shirley. <gasps> oh, you better believe it. It was the <laughs> Cindy Williams connection. It's very, very advantageous to be best friends with the star of the number one series <laughs> in America. And I got to go back. I, I mean, I think I did like uh, nine, you know, nine episodes. I was all every season. They'd had me as another, can I say bitch on the air? Oh, yes, absolutely. Please <laughs> do. We get into a fight with either Laverne and Shirley and, and uh, I'd be in a, a wig and, and then they would have me back as, as uh, another antagonist. But it was, uh, yes, um, 
David Landers is a friend of mine, and uh, he wrote that episode where I think my name was Bonnie, where I played his uh, girlfriend who who uh, uh, told him that she didn't want to go out with him because well, I, I was like, I have to wash my hair. So I didn't go. I didn't go out with him. And then he, he sees me in the restaurant, and that was a really fun episode because uh, Laverne and Shirley and 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 Lenny and Squee they go to a very fancy restaurant and they see the napkins like in with a point and, and all folded and they put it on their head like a dunce cap. That's that they think that they're party favors. And that got a very big visual laugh. And that's what I remember about that. But how fun that was to see those four with those napkins on their head. And, of course, getting to play Wiggy's girlfriend, that was, you know. I, in fact, I just had dinner with him and his wife, Kathy. And and I rem- I made him remember that. So I said, you remember when you wrote that episode and I didn't have to audition and I got to play your girlfriend and you wrote it for me. I said, that was such a thrill. So it was, it was great. It was great at that stage of my career to get that kind of um, fun and exposure and not, and, and, and be working for friends because both Penny and Cindy were friends. And so it was like, it was like, being home. And I've been very lucky that the work that I've done is so close, so closely related to, to friends because all the people on the Pee-wee show, most of the people on the Pee-wee show were friends from the groundlings. And so it was all home week. I, I never had to be nervous or scared or prove myself because they were all friends. And I've, have would have worked with them on the weekends for groundling shows. Now, along with the live, you know, the appearances on Laverne and Shirley, you also ended up working on the animated Laverne and Shirley show. Yes, yes, I, I did. I, 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 uh, Cindy was too busy to do the animated show, so I went in there and did her voice for a couple of episodes. So that was really fun. That was fun. Well, let's talk more about Pee-wee, which started at the Groundlings with Paul Rubens. How did you develop the character of Miss Yvonne, as we know, the most beautiful woman in Muppet in Puppetland? I like Muppetland. No, no, Puppetland, Puppetland, <laughs> and maybe Muppetland too. Right, Puppetland. Um, well, Paul got a group of friends together, and and he said, "I want her to be like a prom queen." You know, so that was like so much fun to play, and and there was a place on Melrose Boulevard in Los Angeles called the Aardvark, and I would bring in dresses for him, uh, and to see if he liked them. And the, there was one dress which was a white uh, strapless dress, uh, and it kind of looked like Liz Taylor's dress in Raintree County. And I thought, oh, my God, I love this dress. And so he he liked it. He okayed the dress. And uh, he and, and Miss Yvonne's hair, as the years progressed, got bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger until we got went to Broadway. And it was like literally a foot. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> uh, so 
so it was it was a really really fun character to do. And during the the show, the uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, I got to join the writers guild because I I co wrote two episodes, um, Pee Wee plays Office, and um, uh, there were oh my god I can't think of the name of the uh, episode but anyway Pee Wee uh, oh P- Rebarella. That was the name of it. I wrote it with Mimi Pond, who's Wayne White's wife, and she's, you know, she's a comic genius in her own right. And we wrote Reba Rella, where Reba goes on a date with a very handsome male man. <laughs> and and uh, Pee Wee and I are chaperones in the back seat. And that was a thrill to me because I got to play an airline stewardess and uh, on a on the make-believe airplane and also go to a drive-in movie, <laughs> uh, a makeshift drive-in movie with Pee Wee and Reba. So, I, I mean, that was uh, in many, many ways that Pee Wee, uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse was a dream come, come true. I had the best makeup people, the best wardrobe people, the best wigs. Uh, and, and I was like, you know, almost forty years old, and forty years old when I did it, and and then I and and the fact that I got to be a beauty queen at forty, and then I'd go, I'd go out on regular auditions, and everybody was like, you know, like, oh, tired and complaining that there were four, they were forty years old, and I was like, well, as soon as I get done with this audition, I'm going back to being the most beautiful woman <laughs> in puppet land <laughs> with the best lighting and best makeup. <laughs> great time on that show and it was it was a dream come true because uh i said to the guys who were writing i don't care how much miss yvonne is in the show what i care about is that she's always kind and she's always sweet and that she's never she's never mean to anybody because uh uh you know sometimes it's easier to write that Mm. uh and they they said yes, and she never was. She was always she was always sweet, and she did had a lot of double entendres. <laughs> do, how do you say that? Double entendres. Yeah, oh yes, yeah. yeah uh, and and um, that was you know that was them having a good time and having um, and writing for grownups as well as kids. And what was it like getting the band back together to take the show back to the stage and then ultimately to Broadway? Well. When Paul said that we might go to Broadway, it was like, oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) It was like 30 years later. But it was, you know, it was such a thrill. I mean, because I, I, I was, I never was an actress that was like, someday, Broadway. But once you're there... Once you're there and you open the door and you see all the theaters there and you're on a Broadway stage, you know, you and you open the stage door to go home, it truly, truly is a thrill, and I, I get it. And John Moody, who played Mailman Mike in the show, said, he said, we're like carny people on Broadway. <laughs> I mean, because and, 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 we, we sold out, and, and, you know, we sold out, almost sold out every single night that we were there because people knew what they were seeing. They'd grown up on the Pee Wee Herman show and they, 
they Pee-wee's Playhouse, and they wanted to they wanted to see the characters again. So it, it was like having a, a, a built-in built-in love affair with the audience. I, I mean, every time a character was introduced that they knew, you had to hold for the applause. You know, and and it was just it was absolutely thrilling to do that show, and and to work with. I mean, I keep saying that to work with friends, but it it is it is a thrill to work with friends. I mean, like I you watch an award show and they say we're family, and and you are family with the people you work with, well, and so it was it was a it was a wonderful wonderful time, and and again I had the best makeup, the <laughs> best hair, the best costumers, so it was it was it was great. You have worked, Lynn, with so many wonderful, as part of so many wonderful ensembles through the years. And that continues with uh, your long-running role on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I just saw today that uh, Rob McElhenney says, I'd just soon do this show forever. And I think a lot of us would be very happy with that. Yes, it's it's amazing. You know, 14 seasons, and it looks like there's going to be a 15, 15th season. So... It is the first time in my life, because I'm a character actress and I'm usually in a big wig and different kinds of makeup, that people recognize me on the street. And and it's like, it never gets old, you know? And, and when I see a fan, like at Rite Aid or something like that, I, I get as excited as they are. Do you want to take a picture? Do you have a cell phone? <laughs> it's, it's just it's just thrilling, you know, and it's so thrilling to be in a place like Austin. You know, I have friends in Austin, and there's a waiter, and he comes over, and I just look like, you know, middle-aged or older woman sitting, eating with friends, and, and then all of a sudden his face starts to change and go, and I know what's coming because his eyes bug out. <laughs> and he goes, are you Charlie's mother? And I go, yeah. And he says, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know? And it's just, it's so much fun. I, I, I mean, to to be recognized and make people that happy about seeing, you know, somebody like on a, a, a cult hit show, somebody that they've enjoyed watching. And, uh, and the fact that, you know, I get to work with Sandy Martin, who's just, I couldn't ask for a better sidekick she is so in the moment hysterically funny and you know rob when he sandy plays rob's mother as you know and and he she cracks him up i mean <laughs> she just goes and and he starts laughing and we have to cut and do it over again and that's the fun about working with those guys is because they come from improv they improv a lot of the scenes there's they're the writers and they don't care if somebody screws up i mean i remember one scene i i screwed up uh and i and i said to charlie i said oh charlie i'm so sorry i I don't care you know so, so it's just it's it's like there's no there's no pressure and after you do the lines right you know then you you're on your own there's a couple of takes where they just uh improvise 
And sometimes, but sometimes they write, like for the Christmas episode, the guys come in. And then I, and then I feel, in, oh, you know, sit down, can I get you guys anything? I'll be right back. Oh, I love you, little monkey boy. You know, and, and, and so, but, so I don't know when to shut up, you know, because, because they actually are, have lines later on after I get my improvised come into the house and stuff. But it all works out, and, and I'm so, uh, I, I mean, it's such a gift. I mean, that part is such a gift because it's it's very, they know me, they write for me, uh, uh, but I, I, I haven't slept with all the Santa Clauses <laughs> to get dressed for my son. <laughs> that part is, that part is not me. But and the, when I, the first episode I did, I said, who's, who's my husband? <laughs> You know, is he dead? And they didn't know. It was the second show in the season, and they said we haven't figured that out yet. You know, so so I just oh okay. So I didn't really know. You know, I I, I went from this very naive Irish Catholic mother, and then two two episodes later, I was sleeping with everybody. So so it, 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 the part really, it's it's a strange, fabulous part. And the people stay with me because they know how much I love my son, you know, and I just, and I really do love Charlie Day and I'll see him in a movie and, and I'll be like so proud. And then like, like, I think it was bad bosses. Uh, and I was so proud of him. And I thought, you know, I'm not his real mother. <laughs> I had nothing to do with how great he is in this movie. But I am. I'm I'm very proud of his talent and, and success and and happy that I get to play his mom. Well, it's a wonderful role, a great ensemble. And Lynn, it has been delightful to talk with you. You're one of those folks that when you show up on screen as a viewer, Eyes are drawn to you because you're you're so magnetic. You're such an engaging performer. We've loved your work for a long, long time and are so happy to get the chance to talk with you this afternoon. Oh, thank you. Thank you so, so much. And and you have a, a great day. That is Lynn Stewart, Miss Yvonne, talking with us here on Downtown the Podcast. And and Carrie Haskell, as as is the case, just about every time we talk with character actors, we learn about this whole other side to them. And the other roles they've played that maybe we we knew about and and, and forgot, weren't as aware of, and, and it's always interesting to get that different perspective. And we got it from both Lynn Stewart and, and Jonathan Shack this week. And the connections that they have to work that we aren't even aware they were part of is, is what's always interesting to discover as well. Yeah, yeah, they've all got their stories. When when you've been doing it that long, I mean, look, we've got old radio stories that. People don't know. It's just that no one cares. <laughs> but it's a little bit different when uh, people know your face from, from television and film. But a wonderful time this week. Our thanks to Lynn Stewart and Jonathan Shack for joining us. And thanks to you for being here with us on Downtown, the podcast brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength.